So we're beginning to wrap up our devoted series um, here. It's been kind of a longer series, uh, but we're starting to wrap it up today. We'll have this week and then next week, and then we'll be done with this series. We'll be over at the Missionary Baptist Church uh, for a Sunday, and then we'll be starting a new series after that. Uh, but I want to remind you what this series is about. And really the whole thing behind it was we want to be more devoted to God. How can we be more devoted to God? And, and when I say devotion, I don't mean commitment because devotion is not commitment. We love actually to be committed to things because it makes us feel more busy than what we are. And so when we're committed to a lot of things, we pick and choose which one we want to be committed to each and every day. Whereas devotion goes further, it's based on love, and devotion, what you're devoted to, will always come first. So for a quick example, I can be committed to this church, and I can be committed to a, a sports team, and then I'm left with a choice. Do I choose the sports team, or do I choose the church? And so you can see commitment is based on that. But if I'm devoted to, I wasn't trying to say anything about you. <laughs> Anyways, um, see, you're devoted to the church, so you're here, right? So if you're devoted to the church over the sports team, then you're going to come here even when that team is playing. Whereas on the flip side, if you're more devoted to the team, you're going to go and watch the team and skip out on church. Because what you're devoted to, you'll spend more time involved in because it's based on love. And the more that we love something, the more devoted we will be to it with our money and our time. And those are the two main areas that we've been talking about. We started off with money, and now we've been finishing out the series with time. And so uh, we spend more time with God when we're more devoted to him and his word. Last week, we talked about how we had to stay devoted to our disciplines. Meaning we had to be disciplined to read God's word. We had to be disciplined to spend time intentionally with God. And, my, and today my hope is that you look at your own prayer life and you say, am I devoting the time that I need to to pray by talking to Jesus? Like, am, I, am I actually spending time with Christ or am I just thinking that I am? That's what I want you to, to go throughout this whole series. It's about all you being internal with yourself and saying, is there a way that I can improve my prayer life? If so, can I be more devoted? How do I be more devoted? And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 17, 5, verse 17, chapter 5, verse 17, Paul gives us the standard of how much time we should be spending in prayer. And so it says, everyone, or most people know it, never stop praying. That's the standard for how much time we should be praying. Never stop praying. So would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the message that you're, you've laid on my heart to, uh, to, to speak to the people. Lord, as we open up your word, may, may the truth be spoken. And Lord, may you... Excuse me. May you open up our hearts to receive your message. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Came out of nowhere. I was getting choked up in my prayer. <clears throat> it wasn't even that powerful. Anyways, last year we did an entire year of prayer. Every message, 
just about everything that we did was focused on prayer, improving our prayer life. And I really hope that last year you could walk away saying, I prayed more that year than I have any other year. And if you didn't, that's fine. But that was my hope, is that you'd walk away. Now, my hope for this year was that you would walk away from this year saying, my prayer life has grown since last year. And so it's amazing to actually see how some of the prayers that were prayed last year are coming true now. Like we're seeing them answered now. But I still wonder in my own life, I I feel like my prayer life has improved since last year, but I still wonder how can I continue to improve my devotion to prayer? And I want you to wonder the same for yourself. How can you improve your devotion to prayer? So going back to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing, never stop praying, pray continually. If that's the goal to be reached, then I think all of us have fallen short, right? Are you praying every single moment of your life? Probably not. I'm just making assumptions about us Christian humans in in the room. You probably have moments in your life where you're not really praying because not all of us are just locked into a room 24-7 praying to God, right? Because that's what we think of it. Now there's other times where we think about it, we say a quick prayer, but never stop praying. If that's the goal to be reached, then that could be the sermon. Never stop praying. Just don't stop praying. If you haven't stopped, or if you ever stopped praying, you need to work on your prayer life. And I think that's true. But at face value, that only deals with time. It only deals with the amount of time that you're spending. And so I want us to look deeper into what prayer is and see how we actually fall short, not only in our time that we dedicate, but how we pray. Because there's this problem that we come across in, uh, in prayer, and some of us may not even realize that, it's, that it can be a problem. It's not always a problem, but it can be a problem. And it comes from Matthew chapter 26. And I'm going to take you to verse 36. This is right after the... Uh, or this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said... Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men watch with me for one hour? Asked Peter, or he asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Now, in verse 44, it says that he goes back and um, prays that same prayer a second time. Now, before your minds start to wonder, what's wrong with this prayer? Nothing, because it was Jesus, right? I'm not saying Jesus' prayer was wrong. What I'm saying is how we pray Jesus' prayer might be wrong. So look at what Jesus says. 
He's praying to God. He's praying to God the Father. It says, not as I will, but as you will. But look at what Jesus asked. He said, my Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken away from me. Now, all of, or most of us probably know what the cup means. The cup means the cup of death. He was going to taste death for all of us. And that meant that he was going to go and he was going to die on the cross. He was going to rise again. He was going to suffer. And then he was going to rise again for the forgiveness of our sins. And so this cup represents how he was tasting death for all mankind. And so Jesus asked, can this cup be taken away from me? And then he says, not as I will, but as you will. He does this a second time. He prays, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, May your will be done. He does it a third time too. Now we know the rest of the story. Jesus goes to the cross. He suffers. He dies. And then he rises again three days later. And so he still has to go through the suffering. He still has to have or drink from the cup. But wait a second. What does John 14 say? John 14 verses 13 through 14 and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. That's Jesus' words. Now, a little bit later, John writes this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask something, no, anything, we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. And so basically what this is saying is Jesus asked, if this is true, then Jesus asked for the cup and didn't get it. He asked for the cup to be taken away and didn't get it. And isn't that how your prayer life ends sometimes? You pray for something desperately, you're on your knees, you're praying and you're praying and you're praying and it just never seems to happen or it goes the complete opposite direction. You're like, what, did I not have enough faith? Did I not pray the right prayer? Did I not pray it in the format that God wanted me to? You know, did I not cite my sources when I was praying? Like all of these things, like what happened? I thought we could ask him for anything and that those things would be answered. What happened? And what do the spiritual people do in the room? Oh, I just wasn't his will. And so what we began to do as Christians was to tag along this phrase that comes from Jesus so that we sound like Jesus, but it's really just us filling ourselves with doubt. To where we pray for something and we, we pray for whatever it is. Like, God, I want this to happen. May your will be done or thy will be done. And if we're honest with ourselves, maybe not everyone, but some of us in the room probably pray that prayer saying, if it doesn't happen the way that I actually want it to happen, I guess I'm going to have to be okay with it because I just didn't know your will because you're infinite. Because you're all powerful, you're all knowing, and so I just don't, I don't know your will, and so your will is for me to, I guess, suffer in this season. I guess your will for me, is, or or for that person's life, is just that they stay where exactly where they're all where they are. It's 
to whatever your will is. And I want you to see how dangerous that can be in your view of God. Because I do not believe that God wants suffering. Sin created suffering, and so that's a consequence of our sins, but God doesn't want that. He never did. If you look back in Genesis, the very beginning when he created the world and before Adam and Eve let sin into the world and sinned against God, there was no suffering. Everything was in harmony. No one got tired. Adam and Eve didn't get tired working. Right? Some of you are tired just sitting here. Like, like I had a hard week. I'm tired. I'm sore. I'm feeling it. This isn't how it was supposed to be. And so I'm not convinced that it's the will of God for us to suffer. Unless it's for his glory. But it's not his will for us to just continue to suffer forever. But if we pray, thy will be done, and assume that when things don't go the way that we think they should, then we will start looking at God and saying, God just wants me to suffer. God just hates me. God just doesn't love me as much as he loves that person down the road that's getting all of their prayers answered. He just, he doesn't love me. He's not really hearing me. And so how does that damage your view of God? Who, When you come to church, you hear, oh, he's all loving. John says, or Jesus says in John that he will, he will answer anything that you ask of him. And then John writes later in 1 John, he hears all and he will answer all of your desires. So most of us go in to two ways. We start believing that we can't know the will of God, so we dismiss it and we say, thy will be done, this is what I want, but you know, whatever your will is, that's just what's going to happen. I know it's going to happen, so you know, thy will be done in case I'm wrong. Or you stop trusting in the power of prayer and you only pray, pray when it matters. You only pray in the middle of crisis, hoping that God answers your prayer instead of having confidence that he hears you because both those passages or in first john it says this is our confidence we have confidence when we come to god that we know that he's going to answer us but he also adds on praying in the will of the father and so praying can sometimes feel like a guessing game right you're trying to guess what the will of god is you're like, this is what I want, and I'm thinking that it's your will, but if it's not, thy will be done. Don't we do that? Don't, don't, I know I do. Like, maybe none of you do, but I do. Like, thy will be done, because I really don't know, and so I'm just kind of guessing. Now, I'm throwing up this prayer and hoping that it lands in the way that I think it should, and that I think that he is, but I don't really know. And so for the men in the room, just talk to the men. Ladies, you can kind of tune out for right now. The men in the room, if you have a spouse or if you have had a girlfriend or if you have had a lady in your life, have you ever felt, don't answer out loud, but have you ever felt that you had to read their mind? <laughs> right? Have you ever felt like you had to read their mind? 
and it's a guessing game of what they actually want versus what they're actually telling you they want. Right now, now, ladies, I know a little bit. You're making it super obvious to us. Like you're, you can only hit the the pan on the on the counter so many times before we get up, right? And slam the counters just a little bit harder so that we hear that you want help with the dishes, right? You're making it obvious to us, but we don't know that because we need very direct and clear instructions of what we're actually supposed to do. But coming to, to the Father in prayer sometimes feels like that. We're trying to read God's mind of what His will actually is. And we're like, I think this is your will. Just like men are like, I think this is what, what my lady wants, but I don't really know. And so I'm just going to guess. Now, if you say that you know the desires, of every single desire of your significant other, you're lying. As a man, you're lying because you don't. You're guessing. You might be a really good guesser, but you're lying. And so with God, it's different. Because I, I want to tell you something, it might blow your mind. You can actually know the will of God and pray it and receive it. Because I'm not convinced that the will of God is supposed to be a guessing game. We're not supposed to play a game with God and guessing if it's his will or not. We're supposed to know. Because how can we come to God in confidence that he's going to answer our prayers if we don't actually know if it's his will or that he's actually going to answer it? All right, think about it. If I hear Chloe slam a cabinet and it's just a real quick thing. She doesn't do this often. But <laughs> she also told me uh, about a month ago that she felt left out because I wasn't including her in my sermons. And so I'm including her in my sermons now. And now she's regretting it. But anyways, so if Chloe like starts clanking the dishes together, like I want help, but I don't want to say it because I don't want him to feel like he has to come up and help because he's been at work all day. And so she starts kind of loudly putting up the dishes and I go and I start vacuuming. Right? And, and I start vacuuming, and I'm like, well, Chloe, is this not what you wanted? You didn't want me to go and vacuum? This is how we are with God sometimes. We, he clearly tells us his, the, the desires of his heart through Scripture and through prayer, and we start doing something else, and we're like, what? Why, why, why aren't the dishes clean? I've been vacuuming all day. This isn't how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be able to come to the Father and say, I want the dishes clean. I want the dirty rags clean. I, I want this in my life. And we know that he's going to answer it. Not just guess or not just have an educated guess or just believe enough, but we actually know that he will. Because I can't have confidence in something that I don't know. And here's the thing with Jesus' prayer that I think a lot of us don't realize or point out when we look at the Garden of Gethsemane is that Jesus knew the will of the Father. He knew it. Not just because he was Jesus, but because he spent so much time with him. 
And so Jesus knew the will of the Father, and we know this because he predicted what was going to happen three times before the Garden of Gethsemane. He told his disciples three times, I'm going to be taken away, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again three days later. Did it three times before the Garden of Gethsemane. So Jesus clearly knew what the will of the Father was. But his human nature expressed his desire to not suffer. His human nature expressed his desire and maybe even his fear of, of the suffering that was to come. And I know this is hard to balance in our mind because we know Jesus as fully God, but also fully human. But this is where his humanity is really on display for us. His desire and his will as a, as a human being was, Lord, if there's any other way that you can save the world without me suffering, without me dying, can that happen? Can, can you make that possible? But what Jesus actually does with thy will be done is he surrenders his desires for God's desires. He surrenders his will for God's will. He's saying, my will, God, is to suffer. And so now you see there's this open and honest relationship with God of this is what I actually desire, but I know it's not what you desire. And so your will be done. I'm surrendering what I want so that you get what you want because what you want is better for my life. I may not be able to see it, but it's better for my life. And so praying thy will be done is a prayer of surrendering your will to the will of God. It's not a reason to seek the will of God. It's not a guessing game of where, where the will of God is. You're supposed to know the will of God. And so now in the room, you're probably thinking, I'm falling short of where I'm supposed to be in my prayer life. This is what you're supposed to be feeling because you're always supposed to improve. Now, humanly, I don't know that it's possible humanly with so much sin in our life and having been exposed to sin because we know Jesus never sinned and so he wasn't stained, but we have been stained. And so I'm not sure that here on earth we will always completely know the will of God, but we can know more of the will of God in our life the more time that we devote to him. And so when you look at Jesus, how did he know the will of God? He spent time with him, significant amount of time with him praying. He prayed without ceasing. This is what he demonstrated in his life and his ministry. He demonstrated what it is to pray without ceasing, he demonstrated what the perfect prayer life is so that we could reach for him. We could reach for a perfect prayer life, but understand that we fall short and that's where grace sets in. Continuous prayer is where you find the will of God to where you don't have to guess anymore. You just know it's his will. Your desires may be different and you can express that to God freely but you also have to surrender your own desires. So how do you know what your will is? What, what his will is for your life, his purpose for your life? You have to take time and you got to devote it to him and you got to ask him. 
So just like the men in the room, you stayed very, very quiet, and I'm proud of you. Trying to read your life for your significant other or your spouse's mind, the more time that you spend with your spouse and the more effectively you communicate with each other, the more you will understand the desires of her heart. And so it's the same with God. The more that you effectively communicate through prayer with God and the more time you spend with God in prayer, the deeper your connection will be and the more that you will know the desires of God. Some of you have been married for a a long time and you know that the closer you've gotten to your spouse, the more you know what they're actually thinking. This is the same way with God. The more time that you spend with God, the more that you'll understand what he's saying to you. And so I, I want to encourage you throughout this week, set time aside for prayer to lead to a better understanding of what God's will actually is. It seems impossible to achieve, but I really think it's possible to get to a place to where 90% of the time, just throwing out a number, 90% of the time you know exactly what the will of God is. And so you pray for it to happen. Because just because you know what the will of God is doesn't mean that it's going to happen. There's a thing in prayer, and I want to inspire you to pray just a little bit today. There's a thing with prayer that scripture will say, and it's somewhere in Paul's letters that says we're co-laborers with God. Which what that means is that as we are working together with God, things are happening when we pray that otherwise wouldn't happen. God loves his people, and he wants to hear from them. And when he hears from them, he's happy to answer. But if the desires of his people are not to reach the lost, the lost will never be found. If the desires of his people is not to see healing, healing will never be seen. Prayer is so important because when you pray in the will of God for healing, when you pray in the will of God, for, for the lost to be found in any other thing, and you know it's the will of God to see this happen, and you pray it, it will happen. But if you don't, it won't. And that's why prayer is so important in our life. And it's so important that we come to God with confidence, knowing that he's going to answer his desires that we are expressing to him. You see, spending time with God is how you find this. It's where you achieve this. And it has to be a significant amount of time. And so what, what I think Satan takes away from us and attacks us the most is our prayer life. Because if he can disconnect us from God, he can disconnect us from everything that God desires for us. It would be just like if I always came home, but I never spoke a word to Chloe. How different our relationship would be if I came in and I sat down and I was silent and we never communicated about anything. Our relationship would be so much different now if that started, if that took off and started that way. And so you have to communicate with God. You have to spend time. And in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. 
The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This is spending time with God, asking God, what is the will? What is your will? Seeking God's purpose for your life. What is your will, not only for the world, but for my life? And when you ask and you seek and you knock on that door with your time with God, you will find it will be answered. And that door will be open to where you will start walking into the will of God, knowing what he wants for you. Even though this will likely be a lifetime struggle to find out what the will of God is, you can do it. I, I promise you can. Jesus demonstrated it. And so we can get really, really close to where Jesus was. So I want to encourage you, no matter how broken you are, no matter how much you've fallen short to the glory of God, all of us have fallen short to the glory of God. All of us struggle in our prayer life. All of us struggle with staying devoted to God. But know this, that Christ knew that your prayer life wouldn't be perfect. Christ knew that you weren't going to be perfect, that you're going to fall short, that you weren't always going to be devoted to him. But he still came and he lived and he died for you so that you would not have to suffer the wrath of God. You would not have to face the consequences of your sins so that you could be made whole and you could see that your brokenness can be restored. And he did this knowing that you were broken and that you were failing at what you were doing. He still loves you and he still cares for you. And so because of that, devote yourself to him. And don't wait. Don't say, well, I, you know, I, I'll start next week. Let me, let me have a week to myself and then we'll start. No, just start today. Don't do that. I'll, I'll start it tomorrow. I came, I did church. Uh, I'll start tomorrow. Start today. Devote yourself to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for this time. Lord, as we fall short to our devotion to you, let us not be so discouraged that we stop improving our devotion, that we continue to, to run after you, that we continue to show you how much we truly love you and appreciate you for what you've done. Lord, we're, we're thankful that you sent your son to die on the cross for us despite our prayer life and our communication with you being broken and imperfect. The Lord, always remind us that perfection is not the destination. Perfection is not our goal. Our goal is just to be closer to you each and every day. So Lord, help us, encourage us, empower us, give us the strength to pursue you every day, no matter how much the world is pulling at our time away from you, that we would be willing to give up and surrender our will and our life and the things that are pulling us away, we are willing to give those up and surrender those so that we can be with you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.